simply put, in six to nine months, even if you are short 30 credits, you can complete all 30 credits in six to nine months. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for today, we have another update episode from one of our previous guests, and it's on a topic that I couldn't help but want to find out more about. Mansoor Farhat of Accounting YouTube fame is joining us today, and he was actually on the show about three years ago, and in fact, almost exactly three years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. Professor Farhat provides many many free resources for accounting students and those pursuing certification through his YouTube channel, which is basically free. They're free, understandable lectures on some of the most difficult accounting topics out there for accounting students. Basically, he helps you do better in both your accounting studies and your certification preparation. However, Mansoor has now co-founded an organization that helps students more practically meet the 150-hour requirement for sitting for the CPA exam. He's taken his endeavors past just helping people with the content, and now it's in the realm of helping with the prerequisite college credits as well. It's quite fascinating, actually. I think you're really going to find a lot of value in this interview with Mansoor. And if you do enjoy and find value in this episode, please check us out as well online. We have some classes out there specifically for entry-level accountants that would like to learn more about tax. You can find out more about that at mgrar.com, both our pre-recorded courses and our live online courses, mgrar.com. And as always, if there's anything I can do for you in your own career or for accounting organizations you're involved in, please don't hesitate to reach out. I'm always happy to help in any way that I can. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started. You've made it through my hoarse voice today in recording this intro. Thankfully, though, the interview goes better. Here's Mansoor Farhat. Well, hello, Mansoor. Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Mark. It's a pleasure to be on the show again. Wonderful. Well, thank you. Well, for the audience, occasionally we do an update episode with a guest that's been on the program before, but has a few new things going on in their career or in their business dealings, so to speak. Mansoor Farhat, and yes, I mean the Mansoor Farhat from YouTube popularity is joining us again. And he was on the show over 100 episodes ago. I had to look this up, but as of the time we're recording this, it was exactly three years ago in November of 2018. Mansoor contacted me about an expansion of his offerings that he is using to help relieve one of the biggest obstacles when it comes to pursuing the CPA exam, at least in my estimation, and that's the 150-hour requirement. So today, we're going to get an update from Mansoor on both you know, that expansion as well as his very, very popular YouTube channel for accounting majors. If you've never heard of Mansoor for some reason and you're an accounting major, you definitely need to listen to this episode all the way through. I was looking at the channel prior to recording this, and I couldn't believe just how many downloads some of those videos have. And, and actually, I want to get an update on that a little later as well. Well, Mansoor, even though you were previously on the show, I'd still like to summarize your background for the newer listeners that may not have heard that one. How did you get into accounting in the first place, and what did you do prior to getting into education? 
Absolutely, Mark. Well, actually, my undergraduate was a finance degree, and I started working with Merrill Lynch and their employee stock option and stock purchase plan after I graduated as a financial specialist. So I was, I was not even an accountant when I started. Simply put, I was a high-paid customer service representative with Series 7 and Series 63. And basically, these jobs don't exist now because people can handle their own account online, so you don't need a customer service to do that. And one of the questions that kept coming up from customers is, what are the tax consequences if I exercise my stock options? And I was trained to say, simply put, talk to your CPA or talk to your tax advisor. And this is what started my interest in taxation. Then at the same time, when I was working there, it was during 2000, 2001, 2002, the stock market collapsed. And I was reading about the accounting fraud that's taking place that led to the collapse of Enron, WordCom, Tyco, which led in turn to the market crash. And that even, you know, I had more interest in accounting, but I wasn't sure what to do with it. Then I decided one day, maybe I should start to take some courses just to explore accounting. Maybe it's something I'm interested in. Meanwhile, I was investigating going for my CFA. So I ended up taking more courses. And one time, one day, I remember seeing a character. I don't remember in which newspaper or magazine, two guys sitting in a bar and they're trying to talk to a girl. And one guy told the other, don't tell her we're in finance, tell her we're accountants. So back then, accountants were the bad guys. It was glamorous. And this is what really started my interest in accounting, basically my post-undergraduate degree. And so I went back, got all my undergraduate courses, the basic undergraduate courses to start my master's in accountancy. I went back to school and finished in one year because actually the department that I was working at was closed in 2003. We were laid off. So I said, you know, I'm going to take advantage of this and go for my accounting degree. And this is how I started on the accounting route. I was not a traditional accounting student. So that's the first thing I want to let my viewers know about is don't worry, even if accounting is not your major, you can start. Accounting is a very rewarding career. Interesting. Okay. I'm curious, when you were going back for accounting, was becoming a CPA also the ultimate goal, or is that something that came about later? Absolutely. The CPA was the ultimate goal. I wanted to be a CPA. I wanted to help. Specifically, my plan was to help people. When I My initial plan was to work in taxation, work with people one-on-one. That was my initial interest. And when I went to grad school, I discovered auditing a little bit more. I discovered forensic accounting. So that was my interest. Regardless, both of them, the CPA, a CPA certification would help me get a job in both areas. So I said, okay, let's see how it goes after graduation. After I graduated, I started with a median CPA firm and I did auditing work. I did taxes. That was the good part. It was not one of the big four. It was a median CPA firm in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. And I did compilations, review, payroll, financial statement. I audited small companies. I audited not-for-profit. I did taxes for S-corporations, small businesses. And by product, we did the personal taxes of these individuals. So from an accounting perspective, I would say I was an average accountant, nothing special about my public accounting career, but it gave me exposure to a lot. And as a result, it eventually helped me in my education and my teaching career. And that was a great thing. Okay. Okay. You're very humble. (laughs) You were an average accountant. (laughs) I would say average. Nothing special about that. (laughs) So what did take you into the education route? What made you decide that you wanted to help others learn accounting? Well, actually, it's a series of coincidences that led me to education in the first place, then the YouTube second. Basically, for the traditional teaching, 
When I was a grad student, I was completing my master's in accountancy. I had to take a finance course, which is an elective part of the program. And luckily, and here I'm going to say luckily, the teacher did not care about teaching. So the teacher did not care. He was on the verge of retirement. I believe it was his last year. He was fully tenured. He did not really care. He just wanted to show up to class and literally he would arrive 10 to 15 minutes late in a three-hour course, three-hour mm-hmm. night class. And he will simply flip, flip through the slides and by seven o'clock, Basically, 7 o'clock, the class would, should have ended at 9.30. He would say, okay, if there's no questions, we'll see you next week. And that was that. So we decided as a group to form a group and teach ourselves the course. So we would go to the library, and one thing led to the other, and I felt I ended up teaching the course myself without noticing. And two reasons. One is my undergraduate was finance. I had interest in, in finance. I studied a little bit for my CFA. So I had a little bit of stronger background, and I did not know that I can teach. Basically, just I started to teach basically as an amateur. Then when I graduated, I said, well, maybe I should look into teaching an extra course here and there. Now I have my master's. I'm studying for my CPA. Maybe my community college would allow me to teach. So I visited the community college. I knew the dean since I, since I was there. And I stopped by to say hello, just say, you know, I finished my graduate degree. I'm studying for my CPA exam. Let me know if, you know, I can teach a course here and there. I'll be happy to give it a try. I told them about my experience at grad school because everybody was encouraging me. You should teach. You should teach. And this is how it all started. And he said, sure, just give me your resume. And, uh, you know, if there's any opening, would let you know. That was maybe May or June. August, two days before the semester started, he called me and said, we have two courses. Would you be interested in teaching them? I was like, well, I asked him if there were day classes or night classes. I said, there were night classes. I said, okay, no problem. I should be able to teach them. Although it was, it was scary, two days before the semester started, I never taught an actual class in my life. And I'm going to be working during the day. So it was, a lo- it, it, it was daunting, but I said, I'm going to take on that challenge and there's nothing to lose. You know, I failed at it. I will fail at it. It's not a big deal. I think I'm good at it, but we're going to take it one class at a time. And literally, I would always be one chapter ahead of the students because I was learning the material as I was teaching the material. But I took on that challenge. So it's me. And simply put, the person that was teaching the course got sick and decided not to teach. So this is how I started my traditional teaching. And after that semester, the community college kept giving me one or two classes at night every semester. And I kept on improving my skills semester after semester, improving my teaching skills and to serve my students. This is how I got into the traditional teaching. Now, there's another story how I started with the online teaching or YouTube uh, channel. Okay. Yes. I wanted to get into that because I remember, although it's been three years, I remember from your story that somehow you end up teaching at a couple institutions at the same time. <laughs> so yeah, yes. take us forward for take us Absolutely. forward from that moment. Absolutely. So I was teaching a Tuesday night class in one of the semesters, intermediate accounting, I still remember, and it snowed several times on Tuesday evening. So it was like I believe three or four weeks in a row the class was canceled. I felt bad because intermediate accounting, it's not an easy topic. And I wanted to explain the material to the students. So I did a little bit of research and I find out I can record my voice in a PowerPoint slides. Then I send the PowerPoint slides to the students. So I did that and I had positive feedback. Students were happy, but I wanted to share a little bit more than just the PowerPoint slides. I wanted to share the book online. I wanted to work some problems in Excel. I wanted to go on the web and show them different news about the topic. So I did a little bit more of research and I found out that a program called Illuminate Life. It was basically the early version of Zoom. 
uh, basically, this company, Illuminate Life, was eventually absorbed by Zoom because Zoom eventually bought that company. So it was basically a voice over screen with a whiteboard. I was happy with it. The students were happy. I was able to work additional exercises and share the results with them. But I was limited to the community college. So I could not share this information with anyone else because the system, the, the software was limited to the college. Then I was offered the same class in a different university, a state university in Pennsylvania called East Stroudsburg University. It was the same class, the same textbook, the same chapter. I did not really want to redo my lectures, just basically out of laziness. And they were good. Students liked them. I said, well, why can't I share them? So again, I did a little bit of research and I find out if somehow I can convert those files into an MP4 file. I can upload them on YouTube, on something called YouTube, which is I did not really know what YouTube was, frankly, and I'm done. And this is when I really discovered YouTube, frankly. And for me, YouTube, when I started to use YouTube, YouTube was, your Texas listeners may not like this, I just, I enjoyed listening to those Bushes and when President George <laughs> W. Bush, he would make those comments and they'll be like funny comments. I would sit there and like watch them again and again, my wife and I at night, just kind of to unwind and relax. And for the first two years, I would upload my YouTube lectures and don't even look back. I just upload them, share the link with the students. And that was that. Until two years later, when a friend of a friend, in a sense that my fian- uh, my wife's fiance's friend, he buys and sells, he's a tech guru, so he buys and sells website. And before he meets with you, Mark, he will research everything about you. So my friend's fiance invited us for lunch, and I was not aware that he was going to ask me about my YouTube. And he asked me, you know, what is, how do you grow your YouTube? And I was like, what YouTube? He's like, well, you have 600 subscribers, and just I would like to know because I buy and sell website. You should really, you should look into it. I was like, please, could you help me? He said, yeah, sure. Log into your Google account. So I logged into my Google account, and he showed me all the stats, the number of views, the likes, the hundreds of comments that I did not respond to. He said, well, the first thing you should do is start to respond to these comments, like them, change your titles. I I would have the titles named like chapter one, lecture one, chapter one, lecture two, basically because I was targeting only my students. He said, well, you have an ad, but that ad is in the forest. You want to bring that ad to the highway so everyone can see your lectures. He said, you should change your titles. So I said, okay, let me try this. At that point, I had around 100 videos maybe online. So I started to change the titles and I noticed a pickup. More people are finding me than he said, well, you need to put a description. And I started to put the description and I started to respond to the comments. And I really enjoyed that I was helping people. I was not aware of it. The first two years, I did not know anyone was watching my channel. And I was okay with this because the reason I had my channel is just to help my students, my online students, and frankly, out of laziness. Because I did not want to receive many emails about, you know, if a topic comes up a lot in an email, like students are not understanding a topic, I will do a YouTube and I will share it with them. And I notice people are no longer emailing me. And if they emailed me, I would send them the link. Say, okay, here's the explanation. I find out that I cut down on my office hours. People are not showing up to my office hours anymore because the topics that are coming up, I can put them on YouTube and they can view them. And that was the purpose of my YouTube. That's it, period. Just to serve my students. Wow. Now, I know you mentioned you had 100, and I know I'm jumping ahead, but I'm curious, more or less, how many videos do you have out there now? I'm closer now to 2,000, specifically 1,960. And over the years, I deleted some, I added some, but yes, I have, overall, I had at some point over 2,000, but I keep on, as I renew my videos, I delete some. But right now, I have 1,960 on YouTube, organized by course, for example, financial accounting, managerial accounting, intermediate accounting, auditing, advanced accounting, international accounting. And what I've been doing lately is organizing my lectures 
to help CPA candidate. For example, if you're studying for Becker, well, guess what? I have a Becker course where you will be able to review the material following Becker. So for example, Becker have F1 module one, F1 module two, F1 module three. I have my lectures organized to follow. So if you need help, if you're taking Becker and you need extra help, for example, Becker would review the material with you, will not go in depth. And the reason is because they assume you learn it in college. Then you'll be able to view my material a little bit more in depth. The same thing for Roger, same thing for Wiley, same thing for Glean. So what I did is I organized them so it's easier for the student to supplement their CPA review their CPA review course. My gosh, my gosh. I know this is getting off on a tangent, but I mean, have you ever thought of just having your own CPA review course? (laughs) Well, as of right now, I have what's called supplemental CPA review course. I'm not sure as of the next two, three years, I'm coming up with a new product, but it's going to be also supplemental. It's not easy to have your own CPA review course. It's a lot of work. I have some stuff cooking in the background now, but I don't think it will amount to a full CPA review course, although I have supplemental. What I do now is if you have a CPA review course, what ends up happening is this. This is what I notice: The CPA review courses don't go in depth on certain topics. And it's there's a reason for that because they assume you already did this in college. They don't want to redo the same amount of work. So they end up on YouTube and they end up finding me. And this is how I help them. So for example, if they're learning about leases, well, they did not really learn it well in college. Leases is covered maybe in two hours in a C- typical CPA review course. The students might need maybe four or five hours to really understand the topic. They will find those four or five hours on my YouTube channel, and it will solve their problem. And this is what I've been doing, trying to supplement, because it's for one thing, it's costly, and it's not easy to compete in this industry. I mean, for example, Becker dominate the industry. Even companies that are way larger than I am with more resources they cannot even compete with Becker. So competing in that, it's pretty competitive. That's why I would never go there because I'm not big enough to be a competitor. So, But in my field, as a supplemental tool, I believe I'm doing a great job helping students as a supplemental uh, with supplemental material. I also have the AICPA previously released questions. I have a website. I house all my lectures. And I also have 1,500 previously released AICPA exam questions. I get them from the AICPA. I license them. And I have a detailed solution. So it's not only lectures. I would help you also with practice questions to practice for the exam. Wonderful. Okay. I was going to say, I, in thinking about the question I asked you, yeah, it doesn't make sense to create just another CPA review course because there's plenty of them out there already. And you're right. They're entrenched. Having a supplemental course makes a whole lot more sense. Just to be clear, I know obviously YouTube is free. You know, people can watch YouTube videos for free anytime. The supplemental courses that you have available on your website, I'm assuming, I'm assuming you charge for those, right? Yes. On my website, I charge for those because I do have those extra CPA exam questions. And on my website, everything is organized. For example, if you're taking a backer course, you don't want to go on YouTube and look for this lecture here, this lecture there. I have everything organized and to align with your CPA review course, whatever your CPA review course is. So it's very easy to go between my material and your course. So for example, if you're looking for your in module three, uh, chapter five, module six. Well, I have chapter five, module six. I have everything listed there for you, including the practice questions. So you can view the lecture, do the practice questions, then move immediately into your CPA review course and review properly for the exam. Think of it this way. I will take, like, think of it this way. I will take you back to your classroom, teach you the material. You step outside your classroom and you will go to the CPA review course classroom and you'll be ready to do a good job reviewing the material to be ready for the exam. 
Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, having over 1,900 videos out there for free, I mean, that's plenty generous <laughs> if you're yes. creating yes. supplemental courses. Yeah, that's something to charge for. That's something to charge for, for sure. And okay. what I noticed, what I noticed, Mark, even people before, I, I would have a donation button and people will donate. People like my material. People will give me donations. They used to give me donations. I took it out because I'm revamping my side. But yes, people like my material. They appreciate of what I do. And that's, that, that makes me feel very, very good. I know they do because after we recorded the first episode, I got several comments. Oh, I love Mansoor. I love Mansoor because <laughs> I wasn't aware of you before the first one. So yes, you're somewhat of a, a phenomenon out there <laughs> in the accounting Thank you. world, for sure. Thank you. So Thank you. You've expanded a resource, co-founded a company to help fix one of the other challenges out there. So tell us about CPA credits. Let's transition to that. What is that offering exactly? CPA credits, one of the problems is shortage in CPAs. And one of the reasons is, at least that's what we think is, people are not going for their CPA because of the burden that the 150 credit needed to whether you want to sit for the exam or to be licensed. And every time I go to a state board of accountancy meeting, I'm sure you hear the same thing. We have a shortage. What should we do to make it easier to increase the the people in the pipeline? Now, whether you agree with the 150 credit or not, in my opinion, again, I'm going to be opinionated here. I don't think it's needed to protect the public. But again, that's my opinion. But the 150 is out there. You need it. So what, what we try to do a group of people, a group of people decided to find a solution. So we created this company called cpacredits.com. So to complete your the extra 30 credits or the extra 10 or 15, whatever credits you are short with, you can go through our company, cpacredit.com, and we have contracts with different universities, and you will take those courses at a lower cost in seven and a half weeks, and you will get your credit faster it's flexible. It's all online asynchronous courses. And we have a variety of courses, whether you need accounting, upper level, lower level, or non-accounting courses. And we designed the courses, the non-accounting courses to be beneficial to you. For example, we have business writing. We have communication courses, courses that's going to help you in your career. We have Excel courses, QuickBooks, payroll, forensics. We selected practical courses so we can help you. So rather than just wasting your time and money on courses that you don't need, at least we selected courses that you could also use in the real world. And we plan to have additional courses such as data analytics sound road. We also have taxes, auditing, and all the courses that you need, whatever state board of accountancy, we can get you the 150 credits. Okay. Just to be real specific, how is it more advantageous than just getting the extra courses at a a local community college, the extra hours. Absolutely. The course selection is much wider. You can finish our courses in seven and a half weeks versus a typical community college, 15 weeks. It takes three minutes to register online. A community college, you might have to submit a lot of paperwork, a lot of red tape. Um, Our courses are designed for working professional and also the cost. Yes, the community college, it may not be as as expensive as a state college, but if you are outside that county, you have to pay outside the county rates. And we are cheaper than outside the county rate. And we are actually competitive with a community college, even if you are in county. Our course is approximately $600. That's $200 a credit. Our courses are free college credits. So it's approximately $600. Community college, you also, the textbook comes with our course. So you don't need to buy any extra material. So if you add the extra material to your community college, 
the cost is pretty comparable. And maybe we are even a little bit cheaper on, in certain courses. But the flexibility is our courses, seven and a half weeks, online, asynchronous. There is no classes to attend live classes because the classes are asynchronous. And you don't have to submit any transcript, uh, no red tape. It's easy. In, in a community college, if the course is not filled, they cancel it. Well, we don't have these issues. So it's much easier, much more flexible, and you can finish much, much faster than a community college. Simply put, in six to nine months, even if you are short 30 credits, you can complete all 30 credits. In six to nine months, well, you're going to have to invest the time to study for these courses, but you do have that option available. Now, our option is way better than a master's, cheaper than, way cheaper than a master's degree and much faster than a master's degree. Okay. I was curious, I was going to ask you about the master's degree. Are there any plans to expand this to eventually award master's degrees some kind? That's not our goal. Our goal is to get the students ready at the most economical way, the most efficient way. We don't care about the degree itself. What we care is about making CPAs. The master's, it will cost us more. It will cost you more as a student, and it will take longer. Therefore, we're keeping it short, sweet, and cheap. Cheap in a sense, cost-effective, not cheap in a, in a, it's, it's a bad quality. The goal, Mark, is, believe it or not, is market this product. And the reason I say this, because people don't believe us. When we tell people this is what you can do, it's like, no, this is too good to be true. And when we even thought about it ourselves, said, how are we going to do this? I said, okay, let's find a college, a university that will offer us seven and a half week courses at a reasonable rate. And the hardest thing is to, for students and for people to accept the idea that this product exists. Like, is it really true? Is it, is it this is real courses? Are these, are these real credits? Yes, they are real courses, real credits that the State Board of Accountancies accept them. And we've been growing at a 20 to 30% rate for the past two, three semesters. Okay. How long has it been around? We started April of this year. So we already have three or four semesters in a row. This is the fourth semester. Full semester just started. Okay. Okay. There there are definite semesters then. There are definite start dates? Yes, of course. Of course. There is a starting date and there's an ending. You are part of a university that we contract with. The ease of registration, the cost of flexibility, those are the positive feedback that we get from the student. Some students are taking with us not only one, two courses at a time, and those are repeated customers. They're very happy, and we can transfer your courses within 24 to 48 hours to your State Board of Accountancy, send them the information. So we are there to constantly help our student get those 150 credit because that's an obstacle. Students should not worry about, CPAs should not worry about those 150 credit. I mean, it should not be an obstacle for them. And this is what we're trying to solve, solve that obstacle so we have more people going for their licensure. CPA is a great certification. It's going to open many doors for students and help firms as well. So that's why we created this product. Okay. Wow. Wow. Yes. I feel the extra value we get from the 150 hours is worth. <laughs> I don't see what the students invest in that is getting us any extra value, really, in the profession. Exactly. Uh, I mean, we're not going to change it. it, but yeah, I see it as a problem. Yes, it just. But think about it. Students can complete those courses. They can take philosophy, sociology. It could help expand students' mind. But it's an obstacle for many students in terms of time. Think about it. If they're studying for the exam and they need to take the 150 credit and working, those are three different things. Taking college courses, studying for the exam, 
and working in a very demanding field, especially early on. The first two, three years, you put long, long hours in a CPA firm. Well, it's not making it easy for anyone. And that's why most firms, they don't hire you unless you have the 150 credit because they know the first two years you're going to be studying for your CPA exam. If you're going to be studying for the exam, taking courses and working, they're setting you up to fail. So we're trying to help all of us, help the student and help the firm and help the industry create more CPAs in the fastest way possible. I hate to say the word fastest, but it is. We need to create short classes that can help the students finish those courses early so they can focus on their career. They can focus on their exam. Then I can help them with the exam. And once the exam is behind them, they can focus on their specialty, on their career. What is the commitment level from the student? And, and what I mean by that is, let's say I do need 20 or 30 credits, and this sounds amazing, I don't necessarily want to sign up for all 20 or 30 immediately. I mean, can I take one or two classes at a time? You can take can I... one class at a time. Absolutely. You can take one class at a time and each class is different. So if you're taking Excel, it will be different than forensics. It will be different than business writing. It will be different than introduction to project management, introduction to healthcare. We have introduction to criminal justice and each class is different. Usually you are expected to complete maybe two assignments per week and you will have two exams. This is what the typical course would look like. But each course is different. As you might know, each college has a different set of courses and each course will have a different professor. So depending on what the syllabus, how the professor run the class, but that's what typically is. It is reasonable. It's, it's reasonable to take two courses if you are working depending on which courses you want to select. If you're not working, you can take three courses easily. So let's assume you're studying for the exam. You can study for the exam and take these courses at the same time, as long as you are not working. But you cannot be working, studying for the exam and taking courses. I think that will be too much. But yes, you can take easily two courses while you are working or while you are studying. But the student can select to take one course. And again, the flexibility, we have accounting and non-accounting courses. So we have courses that are not related to anything to do with accounting. So if you like philosophy, you might select the philosophy class. If you like sociology, you might have a sociology class. So the selection is there, and that's the beauty of it. So how do the students pay? Do they pay as they take the courses? I mean, do I, if I want to take one or two courses, I just pay for those one or two courses? Or? Exactly. You'll pay for that course, okay. for that course specifically. Wow. That's it. And there's wow. no registration fees and nothing like that. Nothing like that. And the, 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 the book is included. included. Yes. And the textbook is included. So whatever the price you see on the website is the price that you pay. That's it. Everything is included. You can take a, a course in introduction to human services or introduction to healthcare. So we have a, a wide selection, personal financial management. That's amazing. So it's probably going to be cheaper than other things I look at. It's definitely going to be faster and it's definitely going to be more convenient because I can take it asynchronous. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And I don't have to. Exactly. Wow. The key is to market this. Like we don't know how to market this fast enough. So more people are aware of it because when we tell people, they're like, no, this must be like some sort of a uh, scam. It's not, it's real. It's too good to be true. Yes. Where I can see it being really valuable is with individuals that decide later to go back and become a CPA, because actually that's one of my pet peeves about the 150 hour requirement. Um, I've heard other people say it doesn't limit the number of CPAs, that people don't state that's the issue. But definitely, if you only got a bachelor's degree and for whatever reason didn't want to become a CPA earlier in life, and then you get 
started in your career and with your family and you're older, you know, you're five, 10 years out of college, 15 years out of college. And at that point, you decide you want to be a CPA, then you have to go back to a traditional school to get these hours. And that's a huge obstacle for those individuals. And so if if they can go online (laughs) and get it faster and and on their schedule, hmm, that would increase the number of CPAs. Yes, and online education since COVID, the whole landscape has changed. More people accept it now that it's, it's staying with us. Online education is not going anywhere. So that's the future. And that's why we believe our company will help many, many and will expand, but we just need to kind of get the word out there. And this is something like this. Thank you for asking me. This is how we can let more people know about this and give more opportunities to accountant and non-accounting students becoming CPAs. I just have to ask, this just occurred to me. So are you the lecturer on any of the classes that they're offering? None, none. I don't teach any particular <laughs> courses, but uh, you can use my lectures, my YouTube lectures. I my, my plate is full, frankly. Maybe down the road, as we expand more and more, I might teach a course here and there. But you can use, for example, if you're taking auditing, if you're taking tax, if you're taking forensic accounting, if you're taking payroll, I do have lectures, courses that help you with these courses, but I don't teach the course myself. Maybe okay. down the road, okay. I will teach a course here and there, but I have a lot on my plate right now. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like you have plenty to keep you busy. (laughs) Absolutely. I still end every show with the same three questions, and we probably better get to those. But before we do that, is there anything else that's important to know about cpacredits.com? The most important thing is it's real. Contact us. We are real people. Those are college courses. Then we can transfer your transcript to your State Board of Accountancy. And the best way to do is we have a support line. We have a live chat line. You can email us. You can talk to a person. You can contact me about CPA credits with any questions. Wonderful. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah, definitely look into it out there if if the 150-hour requirement is an obstacle for you. Definitely look into that. Absolutely. Well, I do end every show with the same three questions, and so we'll go ahead and get to those. And it's okay if your answers are different from November of 2018. That's not a problem. First one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Well, although I'm going to say, I believe there shouldn't be any proud moment. It's a continuous success. It's continuous. But I do have a proud moment I would like to share with everyone. It's a small story, but it's it's interesting. I was invited to a Q&A session at Westchester University about the CPA exam. And I did not really read my email very carefully. I thought I was just going to be an attendee. And when I arrived there, there was a big board. And on that board, you had Becker, Roger, Wiley, Gleam, all the big CPA prep companies. And next to them, they had my picture. And Hmm. in other words, they considered me as part of this group. I was very proud. And I happened to take my son, my three-year-old son, because I thought I'm going to be sitting with the students and attending those Q&A sessions with the CPA prep companies. And I end up being on the panel rather than an invitee. So so I had to kind of find a way for my three-year-old son to sit down and stay quiet while I did this. But that was a very proud moment when I saw my picture next to the all the big prep companies, Gleam, Becker, Roger, Surgeon, and Wiley. I was very proud of that moment. And I have it on LinkedIn. I have that picture on LinkedIn where my picture is along the big guys, the big boys. I'm not sure if this is politically correct or not, but yes, next to the big boys. (laughs) Yes, that must have been a 
a pleasant surprise and yeah, it's slightly scary too. Oh, I'm <laughs> really on stage. Wow. The scariest thing is what should I do with my three-year-old son now? <laughs> <laughs> well, second question, or, or really a request, tell us about a lesson that you've learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about it, the better, because that's how we learn from these things. Absolutely. From a macro perspective, I'm going to share my opinion about this. Don't give up on your public accounting too early. It's going to be challenging. And I believe I left too early. I left, I only spent a little bit less than three years. Don't do that. Spend at least five years. It's going to be challenging at the beginning. Try to find a mentor. Try to find a mentor. The public accounting is a great career, but you have to put more than three years. I mean, I did put three years. I went in a different direction, but I hear students all the time or early early staff, like, you know, it's being, I'm being challenged. I don't like it. This is not for me. And I keep telling them, I made that mistake and I left early. Don't leave too early. It is tough. That's the nature of the beast. Give it three to five years and you will overcome those difficulties. This is what I would say. Don't leave too early. Although at this point, I was invited to join another firm, like a friend of mine, he asked me to join his firm. He bought another practice and I just, it's too late. I have, as I just mentioned, I have so much on my plate and it's very hard to go back. So don't leave public accounting too early. Don't run away from it. I believe I did. And it, this is a mistake, like a macro mistake, which I'm very happy right now where I am, but I am, I'm just advising people don't leave too early. Although you might have other options, give it three to five years until you are really ready to make your decision. So what, sure. once you're in your you know, late 20s, early 30s, I believe you make a better decision having five years of experience rather than leaving two or three years while you're struggling in public accounting, which as I said, I was an average accountant. I was struggling. I don't believe it was for me. It was for me, but I did not give it enough time, which is okay. Again, I'm happy with what I have right now, but not everyone's going to be a teacher. I hope so. I don't mind, but that's not everyone. You know, you're not going to be a teacher. Stick with it for a little bit longer. Sure, sure. Yeah, that, you know, that does make a lot of sense because you really can learn a lot. And then if you are eventually going to exit public accounting, you know, the later you exit, the higher position you exit to <laughs> generally. So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Sense. Absolutely. And you could always reach out to me. You can consider me as a mentor. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube and you could reach out to me. And many, the reason I'm giving this advice is because on a weekly basis, I receive one or two students that are really overwhelmed with public accounting. And I try to mentor them. It's like, look, this is the nature of the beast. I'll try to give them some tips of what to do. Find a mentor. Learn more about whatever you are doing. Avoid making the same mistake twice, so on and so forth. So find a mentor at your office. If not, could reach out to me. I'll try to help you as much as I can. I just want you to stay in public accounting because it is in your best interest. I made the mistake of leaving early. Don't do it. Interesting. Interesting. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, last question, and then we'll go ahead and close it down. What's the best piece of advice that you have ever been given? Well, I have a few of those, if you don't mind. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. The first thing I would say is learn about whatever you have interest in. So whatever you have interest in, learn about it. Read a book about your career, about the topic you are studying. Listen to a podcast, attend a seminar, connect with people in your industry, learn as much as possible. Don't let a doubt reside in your brain. Okay, the word is in the palm of your hand. You have all the answers on your phone. Learn as much as possible about whatever that thing is. I don't know what your goal is to be in tax. Learn about tax audit. Learn about audit and find the career. Eventually, find a career that's scalable. And I obtained this uh, advice from one of the Nassim Taleb's book, where the input 
is not equal to the output. So at some point, the output is exponential. It's not linear anymore. You put you one unit, you'll have, you know, output of one unit. You want to put one unit and have 10 output, 10 units of output. This is a scalable, find a scalable career. It's going to give you more opportunities, more money, more rewarding. You may not know what it is now. For example, my industry is scalable. My business is scalable. Once I put a YouTube out, if one person watch it or 200 person or 2000, it's the same amount of work for me. It's a scalable. Find something that's scalable. Same thing. A podcast is scalable. You only have to do it once, but it can be viewed by hundreds or thousands of times. And focus on one thing at a time. Okay. If you chase two rabbits, you'll catch none. So one thing at a time and success is a series of small steps that compound over time. And don't underestimate those small improvements day after day. And consistency is the key. So stay consistent and don't judge your day by the harvest you reap today, but by the seeds you plant for the future. Have a long-term perspective about things and things will pay off if you keep on making small incremental improvements. (laughs) <laughs> That's wonderful. You know, I should have expected if I ask a professor for one piece of advice, I'm going to get a lot of extra value, not just one. So <laughs> that was perfect. Thank that you. was perfect. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, I've really enjoyed doing this second interview now with you. I do think that you are extremely generous with all the resources that you put out there for accounting students. So when people listen to podcasts, they're generally doing something else or driving, exercising, something like that. So I like to make it simple for them. What's the one best place for them to find you online if they want to follow up in some way? LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn, but they can find me on YouTube, uh, Google. Basically, if they search me on LinkedIn, Mansour Farhat, they will find me. Uh, my email is mansour.farhat at gmail.com. I'm on YouTube. I am on Facebook. I am on Twitter. Uh, they could just put my name on Google and they should be able to find me. But LinkedIn, and this is another opportunity for me to tell the, the listeners, if you don't have a LinkedIn account, you should have a LinkedIn account because you want to be out there. You want to create a brand for yourself. You want to create a name for yourself. You want to create a professional presence. And LinkedIn is the place to be. So if you're listening and don't have a LinkedIn account, create one. A lot of people don't like Facebook, don't like Instagram. I understand. I understand. But LinkedIn is necessary for your professional development. It's different than the other social media, in my opinion. It's a professional social media. Mm, Very true. Very true. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for taking the time to do it. And thanks for taking the time to educate our listeners, Mansoor. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Mark. Well, that was my interview with Mansoor Farhat, and gosh, I mean, every time I talk to Mansoor, the one word that continues to pop into my head is generous. I mean, he truly is generous. He's like the hero for accounting students everywhere. It's amazing all the resources and all the time he spent to put that out there for accounting students and and for individuals pursuing certification. And then now to spend additional time on developing a resource for individuals looking to meet the 150-hour requirement. I mean, there again, just very generous. He truly is making a difference in the accounting world. Thank you, Mansoor, for what you're doing. And thank you also for spending the time with me on this podcast and our listeners. We really appreciate it. Well, that wraps up another episode of this podcast. If there's anything I can do for you, please reach out to me. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Just search for Mark Goldman CPA on LinkedIn and I'll pop right up. We'll see you again soon. After all, this is 
where accountants go.